The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Welcome your hosts, Byron White and Amanda Smith. Welcome to the show, everyone, and most importantly, happy birthday, Amanda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, can you play that again, George? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that was a fire up happy birthday if I've ever heard one. Wasn't that cool? That was awesome. <laughs> that's great. Thank you, George. Thanks, Webmaster Radio. And happy birthday. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah it's my birthday. It's the best day of the year, Byron. Well, we had a cake celebration a little bit earlier in the office, and I noted that it was the largest cake celebration and birthday celebration in the history of the company. I am so touched. I mean, the birthday cake that just rolled in here must have taken multiple people to carry it. It was ginormous. <laughs> well, it was the largest because we have on board now the largest staff over here at Life Steps and Idea Launch. Uh, so it's it's really exciting. It's really fun. But uh, but what's the plan? Is the uh, the fiancé taking you out, winding you down in here? Are you guys stopping yes. up for the weekend, or what's going on? Yes, fiancé, um, I, I believe... I hope he has some good plans for this evening. But uh, he actually bought me a bike last weekend, so I think we're oh. gonna. I know. I think we're gonna take your advice, and we're gonna head up to New Hampshire and Connecticut, do some bike riding. I think it'll be really cool. Wow, there's so many crazy, amazing bike rides in New England. It is um, unbelievable when you really start getting into this biking sport. It's just incredible. Um, you, favorite bike, bike rides for us, you know, anywhere on a, on the, the luxurious bike trails is fun. Is as close as the Charles River. Um, as you know, you get up to Lexington, there's bike trails. Um, you can head up there just over the New Hampshire border. Uh, there's some fabulous bike trails and ponds around that area. I learned recently about a bike trail from. Concord all the way to Concord, Massachusetts, to Nashua, New Hampshire. Wow. It's like a gajillion miles through, literally bike trails through the woods. Wow, that's really cool. And now you, and your, you and your wife have a bicycle built for two, don't you? We, are, we have two tandem bikes, actually. Wow. <laughs> We're so fanatical about tandem <laughs> bikes. It's just... You know, it's just nice to be, well, just riding a bike along is great. You're going to love it. Do you, what kind of bike are you sporting for your birthday? What what, what, what do you got going? Uh, got Hot Wheels a... going on there, big old, you know, like a like it looks like a Harley with one of those banana bike seats and the big, the big sport, <laughs> that kind of look for you? Or what are we working with here? See, 
See, I should have come to you first before I picked it out. That's a great idea. I, I got a I got a really cool hybrid. It's a hybrid um, mountain bike setup, but it has the the city wheels on it. So it's uh it's a ten speed, but it's got like the the cool mountain bike handles to it. Yeah, yeah, sure. That that's that's a good that's a good route. That's the you, you did the right thing. Of course, what you need to also now do is get a little little uh, you know a little a little rack for the back with a with a rack you know a little basket inside of it so you can go shopping for some goodies and you know oh, ride good. the bike in the Harvard Square and pick up a new pair of shoes and put the brand new box <laughs> in the back of the that you know you got to step one one step ahead with this bike thing it's not oh, just I the bike it. it's what you buy when you're on the bike that's true. That's true. <laughs> and you know, safety first. The first thing we bought was a helmet because I am clumsy. You know, I had a, 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 a memorable moment in my life when I went to a fundraising event about probably 15 years ago for the National Head Injury Foundation. Really? It is, yeah, it's staggering how many people are injured, uh, you know, every day, basically, um, with uh, on, on bicycles. I mean, it, yeah. it's staggering. It's in the hundreds. Uh, yeah. Matter of fact, Aaron Robinson, his poor daughter... Uh, bless her heart. Um, you know, had a pretty what eight stitches in her chin over the oh, weekend no, riding riding her bike. Yeah, yeah, landed right yeah. on her chin. Yeah, yeah. So what you'll need is an actual cage that they make for someone <laughs> like you. <laughs> and, and bubble wrap. <laughs> <laughs> like a I'd go to a hockey a hockey helmet, right? A full uh -huh. bore hockey helmet. You'll want elbow pads. <laughs> now I guess that's rollerblading. I'm sorry, that was such a different sport. Well, listen, let's take a break and come back for more birthday celebrations in a second here. Um, and we'll bring on our guest, Jay Forty, I believe, is uh, according to George, the producer of MSRadio.fm. Forty uh, is, is Jay's uh, pronunciation. So we'll be back with Jay Forty, who is the author of a new book called Fire Up Your Employees and Smoke Your Competition. Um, he's the president of Humanetrics, LLC. Um, and is very, uh, very heavily involved in uh, maximizing personal and professional performance. So we'll be back with Jay Forty in just a few minutes, everyone. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Friendfinder. Friendfinder. The world's largest online dating network. Featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com. Represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With, with Friendfinder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. Your story would reach more than 30,000 journalists. 250,000 RSS and just over 30,000 unique websites. PR Web can reach your target audience online, drive traffic to your website, achieve high rankings on search engines, and get your content on top news sites like Yahoo News. Editors are available 24-7 to help you optimize your content for maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the U.S. alone. If this were a real PR Web release date, your website would have so much traffic, you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to prwebofferer.com for 25% off. 
PRWeb, the premier online release news and content distribution service. Here's your bill. Thank you so much, guys. Hey, it's all right. I'll take care of the tab, Jason. Well, thanks, Dave. How are you doing so well these days? It seems everyone's in a pinch for cash. RevenueWire.com, that's how. RevenueWire? Yeah, RevenueWire.com is an all-in-one platform offering affiliates high-demand software from top-notch PC utility merchants. With 75% commissions, twice-monthly payouts, incredibly accurate analytics tools, RevenueWire is making me more money today than I did in the last few years put together. Even in this economy? Especially in this economy. RevenueWire has a ton of great products to meet the demand. I'm telling you, this network is recession-proof. RevenueWire, the recession-proof network platform. For more information, visit RevenueWire.com today. That's RevenueWire.com. Please hold while we connect you to one of the most sought-after experts in SEO, analytics, and web development. Office Hours with Vanessa Fox, Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. And now, back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Happy to have you here. Uh, we are here with our guest. Um, is our guest on board? Yes, I'm here. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Actually, you did a great job with it, Byron. Thanks. Uh, we <laughs> Thank you, Jay. For... Italian name, but uh, uh, Forty or Forte, if you want to be the real guy. But ah, okay. There we. Okay, great. Well, now I know. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing, and um, and your new book. Very excited to to learn about it all. Great. Um, first of all, uh, Amanda, happy birthday. Um, oh, and I have to tell you first, the best bike trail in the world, I'm from Rhode Island originally, and uh, I used to live on the east side of Providence near Brown University. And you can get on right in downtown Providence and go along the entire East Bay, right along the water on the flattest bike ride that gives you a view all uh, for like a 15-mile uh, bike ride right down to Bristol, Rhode Island. It is the, the sweetest ride there is in New England. That wow. sounds awesome. That is a great ride if um, if you want to bring up that new bike. <laughs> that sounds great. I'm taking notes here all day about awesome bike trails. Thank you. Good. Um, Fire Up Your Employees and Smoke Your Competition is uh, a book kind of directed more for managers, saying nowadays, you know, we used to be this industrial-aged economy and then manufacturing moved offshore, and we're left with this intellectual and the service economy, and all of a sudden managers didn't quite know how to activate performance with employees. And, and you know it and I know it because when we take a look at the service that we get, you know, most of the time the service that we have anywhere we go, I travel a lot, and I see and watch all this all the time, the service is terrible mostly because the wrong people are doing the wrong jobs. And, and when we shifted from this industrial age to this intellectual age that we're in now, where we share information and we think our way through the day, you know, not everybody thinks the same way, so not everybody can do every job. And management needs to get far more connected. And that's, that's the really big word. Management has to be connected, and people have to be connected to what they're good at and what they love. And when they put those into their jobs, they perform really well. And the goal of the book was to, was to put in the hands of management a tool that said, you know what, in today's day and age, I know how to get employees to do great work. And, um, and and it's been taking a life of its own here, so it's been great. Mm. So, how do employees? Uh, how do employers motivate employees and get them to do good work and and uh, and crack the whip in some new way? And at the same time, 
you know, motivate people enough to, uh, to to get them to enjoy their jobs, which is probably the key to it all, really. No, you're exactly right. Um, the the mansion style that kind of came in with the industrial age was what everybody knows as command and control. I'm the boss, and I say you do it. And you know, when you're just running a machine, it doesn't matter what you really think that much about the machine. Just learn the steps, and, and you'll be fine. But when you're in an intellectual workplace, it matters what you think and that you're happy because this employee is now the face of the business in front of a customer. And if that employee is angry or aggravated, then the customer knows it, and all of a sudden the business isn't doing that well. So management needs to be aware that in today's day and age, it's not about command and control. It's all about engage and inspire. And, and that's, a, that's, that's a tough switch for a lot of people in management. But, but employees can help. Because when you know what you really are good at, and you know what you love, and you work in those areas, then all of a sudden your performance goes to the roof. And, and here's, here's the example I try and give people. And, and I ask people, is, is Tiger Woods talented? And most people say, oh my god, yeah, he's, he's really talented. But why? If two things happen, and this is what management needs to know, and what employees need to know. He's talented because he has these great natural abilities, he's intellectually connected to his work, but he also has the ability in his job to do what he does best. I would not know that he was that talented if he worked in a kitchen or if he was a driver or if he you know, was in the service. I wouldn't know that, but his job lets him do it. So when managers help employees by putting them in the right jobs, their performance soars. And when an employee knows what they're all about, you know, they, they know what their talents are, they know what they're good at, they know what they love, and they look for jobs that let that happen, then all of a sudden they move to the top of the pile. Mm. What do you think, Byron? Is it, is it interesting initiatives for uh, implementing in the office place? <laughs> yeah, we're going to need to change your job description, I think, in the end of all of this. So it needs to be to have fun and make people laugh all day. And <laughs> is there a job opening for that? But um, I have a couple questions for you. That, so. Tell me a little bit about the problem of, of a square peg in a round hole, right? Um, namely, somebody that is, say, a, a star sales rep, you know, fabulous at managing their own accounts, growing their business through the roof. You know, you think you'd take a star employee and put them in a management role to teach other people how to do that, right? Why does that not work out sometimes? Have you heard of uh, uh, Lawrence J. Peters? He wrote the book called The Peter Principle. Yes. Peter Principle says, yeah, and that's exactly the situation. We get promoted to our level of incompetency. Mm -hmm. So we get yep. promoted and we get promoted, and either I find out I can't do the job and I hate it, so I leave. Or you find out I can't do the job and you hate it and you fire me. And the, the talents, the natural responses that we each have, and, and they're hardwired in us. We are what we are, and our job is to figure out what they are and be the best at those. It doesn't mean that just because I'd like to be something different than the way my hardwiring, my brain biology is, just because I'd like it doesn't mean I can work hard enough and get there. And, and that's the problem. In, in an industrial age, you could train somebody, and no matter how hard it was, they could learn it. It was a skill. But in an intellectual age, your talents decide how you, how you handle things. So somebody's talents as a great salesman a guy might be... Uh, entirely the wrong set of talents for management. So um, an independent self-starter that is a solo performer 
might be the reason why the sales guy is so good, but those are all the wrong attributes to be uh, today's coaching, mentoring, and uh, educating kind of manager. So they're a total misfit for that job. How do you under under? I like the theory, Jay. And I mean, may I say this? You're so eloquently spoken, and really are super knowledgeable about this industry. It's just a pleasure to be chatting with you. And I think this show needs to be about four hours long, actually, rather than the 20 minutes, <laughs> just so I can get some personal advice from you as well. But here, here's a problem that I see with 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 the theory that we have here. How then do you, you know, how do we teach and train new people new skill sets to take on new roles and responsibilities? from which they may excel. Well, well, well and, here, and here's because the, watch, you can't watch the terminology. Be, you, know, you can definitely train them in skills. Those are things you can learn, but mm. you can't train them in talent. So, so my perspective, and I wrote about in the book, was to give managers a handle on understanding for this job what is the fundamental thinking that somebody needs to have so they can handle the job. Mm. And, and um, let, let me throw out an example. The studies have said that in the course of a day, we make 20,000 three-second decisions. We're choosing things all day long. So we're in a thinking economy now, which means the jobs we have need our thinking. So, so here's an example. I'm working in a retail store, but my thinking, my hardwiring that comes with the package I was when I was born says that I'm, I'm more analytical and I'm more detail-oriented. So I'm looking at a report, a customer comes in, I look up and then I look right back down on my report and I keep working. I don't go over, I don't shake their hand, I don't say good morning. I'm not a jerk, I'm not an idiot, I just don't think that way. Now mm -hmm. we put a salesperson, somebody even far more social in that job, when a customer comes in, they look up, they run over and they shake their hand. Now, isn't one a better fit than the other? And those aren't things that you can say, okay, more accountant type or analytical yeah. type person. You know, you know you need to do this, but you know what? My brain says I make 20,000 three-second decisions. Sometimes what you tell me I'm going to remember, most of the time I'm not. So you know what? I'm, I'm just the wrong guy for that job. But I could be a really great accountant, or I could be a really great engineer, or a really great technician. So why would you put me in a job where you're setting me up to fail? Mm -hmm. And I can't mm -hmm. help it. It's just yep. the way my brain is. Yep, yep, yep. I, I, I get it. So in the end of the day, it is a growing companies is is a game of proper talent evaluation, and being the right people in the right jobs to perform. Right. In fact, the the, the two components True. of this fire up formula that I call it, you have to connect an employee intellectually to the job. Meaning they have to have the right smarts. They have to have the right talent. They they think the right way and they can be good at the job. And then once they're in the right job, then you activate them emotionally, passionately, because you can customize their job for them, but they're already doing something that appeals to them. That's the other really cool thing about a talent, is a talent, because it's so intrinsic to the way you think, it's something that also appeals to you. And, and because it appeals to you, you work harder at it. So you have the ability, like that Tiger Woods model, he works hard at it because he's passionately connected to it because it's in line with the way he thinks. And then there's almost no limit to what you could perform. But then think about me, who's a lousy golfer. I mean, I'm the kind, when I'm on the golf course, other people leave. It's not a safe place for them to be at when I golf. No matter how hard I try, I just don't have that. You know, my life is behind the books, not out on the golf course. And once I realized that, I realized I could focus myself and get happy at doing the work that I was doing because it matched the way that I think. Hey, Jay, 
How do you, yeah. how should an employer address um, sort of the employer disappointment? You know, when you when you put that great employee in that new role and you really think they're going to succeed and they just sort of disappoint you and they kind of let you down, it's just not the right role for them. How do you address that situation? How do you fix it? There's, there's two things that come to mind for that. One is you never let them get that far with it so that, that what they're letting you down about is too significant. So even though you think you hire the right, when you start by giving them a little bit of authority, a little bit of autonomy, and a lot of accountability early on in small pieces, and you see how they respond to it. But, you know, there's the, the process of assessing talents is not that precise. I mean, we're all different. You know, there's 100 billion neurons going on in each of our heads, and they're making 15,000 connections each. Trust me, there's nobody who fits into any scheme that you would hope they would be exactly right for it. But you can look for areas where they're pretty successful. When they start to disappoint you, the real thing to do is to figure out why. Is it fundamentally that they're really not a good fit for this job and I just kind of missed it when I put them in here? Or is it that every time they have a strength, they also have some weakness? Just like that accounting and that, that sales example I said. You know, a sales, uh, a retail sales employee has really positive attributes in the way they build rapport with customers and, and, and uh, know how to connect with everybody and talk to anybody about anything. That's great. But you know what? They're a little wrong on the detail stuff every now and then. You can't finish the order right because they're so busy talking to a customer. So that frequently when, when you're looking at somebody's performance, you identify the things they do well, but you have to build in some compensating support for them in the areas that they're going to be weak, and you know that as you approach it. And that's what a team is about. The team kind of steps in and balances out some of the things that are missing on, on the strengths. So some of the team has the strengths in here, and the strengths that the other people have kind of fill in the holes for each other. Great. Okay, everyone's fired in my company. I know it's a whole lot easier than it seems. Once you're yeah. clear about what it is that the expectations are, and then you know how to bring the right people in. Mm. But if you don't know how they should be thinking, then any time mm. you hire somebody, it's really a crapshoot, and that's a really dangerous way of going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because your your book title, I, I can't wait to read your book, and I'm completely inspired, I must say, to, to read the book. Um, I haven't read it prior to the show, but... It seems to me that you're more, you're getting an employer more in tune with the process and procedure by which they need to think about employees and their roles and goals and the talent they bring to the table to either succeed and fail in those roles. And I'm sure the wisdom, you know, is going to come out, um, you know, so it's really not a rah rah. Let's fire up your employees and smoke the competition, right? It's an it's an interesting name. Um, although I guess if you do have fired up employees that are talented, that are in the right jobs, then you will smoke your competition. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's what the title is getting into. I'm a, a CPA by training, so I couldn't help but address the bottom line in this whole thing. And yeah, and when you take a look at most managers in today's uh, workplaces, many of them are boomers. And boomers were more products of the industrial age, and their perspective about, about what work is and what management is isn't disengage and inspire. It is command and control. So their perspective was, uh, you know, this, if this is all about group hug, kumbaya, I just want everybody to be happy, 
man, I don't want that. That's not what this is about. The book is saying that is, in fact, what drives performance today. So this is a bottom-line book. The book says, hey, you used to do it in this way, but when you went to bed last night, the world changed, and this is the one you've got now. And your only way you'll be successful is to understand how do you drive performance in today's terms. And today, because your employees control what they contribute in the workplace, before you used to tell your employees, do this or work this hard and I'll pay you based on what you do. Today, what we pay our employees for is for them to pack their brains when they pack their lunch. I need you to think your way through the day because every event you see is going to be different than the one you just saw, and I need you to be fully engaged. You have to be really present. If you hate this job, it's not a good fit, or you're not emotionally connected to it, you can be assured you're not going to be that good. And if you're not that good and you're in front of my customer, there's a great chance they're going to run, the customer's going to run through the street saying, hey, don't shop there. It's just not the right place. So the rules have changed. So the book was trying to say it is the right thing to get bottom line results. You've got to fire them up. You've got to figure out how to hook them intellectually, the right job, how to hook them emotionally, get them excited, because excited people perform. All right. All right. Well, is there a diagnostic in the end of the day on whether employees are fired up or not, whether they're happy, whether they're talented and capable of performing. Is there a test or is it, is it just gut, gut instinct by the employer um, that needs to make these decisions? There isn't a particular test, but there is an absolute empirical way. Again, the accountant ahead of me says, you know, we didn't do this just so that everybody would love working. We did this so at the end of the day, the results were significantly better. And the byline to the book is how to invite, incite, and ignite employee performance. And each of those take this process of millennial management and break it into three parts that invite talks about how you connect them intellectually, how you find and hire the right people. Insight says, this is how I get them excited. I job sculpt and I create some performance expectations. That's how they get emotionally connected to their jobs. Now, here's the one that you're asking about, the last one. Uh, uh, Ignite says, here's how I build a rapport, an emotional rapport between the manager and the employee, because the only way they're going to work really hard is if they trust me to guide them in the right direction, hold them accountable for their performance, and reward them in a way that makes sense. So how would I know if you're doing it? I would know because I set some performance expectations for you that drove my bottom line, and when it happened, I stayed in touch with you and I applauded you or I counseled you. So there's no more, this is your job, I'll see you in a year for your performance review. That's the third part of that, that in, in um, the Ignite part says, managers, great managers today, constantly are dialoguing with their employees. Their employees know a lot, they see a lot, they think about a lot, and that dialogue is what keeps them connected to their performance. You pull that out and that employee doesn't perform. So um, an employee, the statistics say, most employees work for more than money. They really work for the applause and for the attention of their manager. So when you build it into the day-to-day -day process, that's what this whole Fire Up book was about, Here's how I attract and, and hire the best people. Um, here's how I retain the best people, and here's how I connect to them. And once I have the right person in the right job, all excited about what they're doing, and they trust me as their manager, 
trust me, they're not changing jobs anymore. If they love what they do, they're good at what they do, and they have the rapport with me, then all of a sudden I don't have a turnover problem like everybody else does. And that's how I hold them accountable. So Jay, of, of, all the, of all the things to keep in mind that we've covered today, what do you think is the most important thing to leave with employers right now, especially in the down economy and when you know we have to be even more careful about who we hire? What do you think the most, most important thing is to leave with, uh, with everyone today? Two statements. One is an article that I just wrote um, that titled, When Others Are Firing, You Should Be Hiring. If ever there's a moment for you to have the ideal team, now is it. And what the fire book looks to do is to say, before you, before you hire anybody else, know exactly what you need. Hire the right talent. Put them in the right spot. Know what you're looking for and source the right talent. And when you do, because you have to do more with less right now, you know, everybody's been cutting back on resources. And the most significant resource on anybody's, in anybody's company is their, what they call their human capital or their intellectual capital. They're um, people. So you've had to cut back. That means those who are left have to do all that work and more, which means they better be the right people. And the only way to get the right people is to say, first of all, do I have them? And if I don't, don't be afraid of getting rid of somebody who's not right. Why would you? This is not a cherry case. I want everybody to make a difference here. And if I've hired you and you're in the wrong job, you don't fit, you know, you don't have the right talents for the job, no matter how hard you try, you just won't be great in it, this is probably not the right job for you. So then um, you can then identify, well, then what do I need? And you go out to this enormous workplace full of very unemployed, very talented people, desperate for work, who would now be a perfect fit for you. So get more done with less and, and hire when others are firing. That's your advantage at the moment. No need, put the right people in and keep them excited and, and fired up about their performance, and you will have a team that nobody else has when all this stuff finally settles. Tyron, I assure you that we are all excited and fired up back here. <laughs> <laughs> and I assure you that I have screened diligently all the talent on board here that are exceptional performers in their roles, and that's why we're growing like crazy. But this is this is complicated stuff, Jay, really is. Um, do you, do you, does the book take a prescription role of do this, don't do that, and here are your mistakes? that you want to avoid, here are things you want to look to do, is it is it a prescriptive approach or a diagnostic approach to this whole process? It's something different even. I'm an also, um, after a financial background I had, I was a corporate educator for a while, and, and the thing that I didn't like most about business books was they had some really great ideas, and then they said, you should do this, and then they said, goodbye. Um, so mine says, okay, now that you understand what's going on, let's practice. And the, the, the book integrates with its website. So mm -hmm. chapter by chapter, at the beginning of the book, at the beginning of each chapter, it says go to the website, print off these pages, because as we go through this, we're going to step into that and then step back and step into that. And it makes it a very easy process so that you can do the diagnostic as you're going. I always give them a fictitious employee to see how the process works, and then I bring it real life for them. Okay, so throw your information on this form. And step by step, it can take any, any manager of any background and say, these are all the steps I need to think about. Now, which ones am I good at already? And which ones do I, do I need help with? And it takes the, 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 you know, this really large task of maximizing employee performance in today's intellectual age, and it cuts it down into reasonable, 
really easy to manage, really easy to master pieces, so that all of a sudden that big alarming vision is not so alarming. And you focus in on the pieces that you need. And step by step, it pulls you through and says, don't move on unless you're really comfortable with this. Go back, work it again. There's a website um, uh, email address. You, we can chat about this thing as we go. It's not what a lot of people do, but it needs to be what more people do. What's your website, Jay? www.fireupyouremployees.com. And if I can add one more thing. You know, I, I, I wrote this book to really address management, but all of a sudden, um, huge numbers, millions of, employ of, of people were unemployed. So I have a new product out there that ties in with this, who, that, that's all targeting job seekers. Mm. Look, if you want to get your resume to the top of the pile, you have to stop doing this um, uh, skill and experience-based resume. That's an industrial age resume. Now you have to do a talent-based resume. Mm. But not too many people know what that is. So I put an example out on the website that says, here's a talent assessment so you can figure out what you're good at. Here's how you write a talent-based resume. And when you do that, you now assess whether you're a good fit for the job, and you basically do an awful lot of the work that the HR people would do, and you move your resume right to the top of the pile because they don't have to guess what's in that resume, resume anymore. I have a new product coming out. It's a couple of weeks away. And Thanks very much, everyone, for listening into this fabulous show. Hope your work life is, is a little bit smarter. Better. Faster. And birthday -er. And happy birthday-ish. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Great. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks for sharing your birthday with us, Amanda. <laughs> Take care, everyone.